the ball feasts are over. We had however many blood moons we had, and nothing happened, which is sort of the way it has been for the last 2,000 years. However, having said that, I do believe we're in the end times. Where I think we are is perhaps in the fifth seal. I think the first four seals have happened. The fifth seal, of course, is the one that happens in heaven, where you have the martyrs under the throne who have been beheaded. We got people being beheaded right now for their testimony of Messiah. So it is entirely possible that the fifth seal is being opened as we speak. I also am of the opinion that the blood moon that comes next is not a normal astronomical blood moon, which is why I don't get very excited about, oh, we're having blood moons. I think the blood moon that's being spoken of in Revelation is going to be the result of the sixth seal being opened, and it will not happen in the normal course of astronomy that everybody can predict. I think it's going to be uh, an event, and you're going to have a blood moon that nobody predicts, and, and, but that's genealogy. So, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk to this week, I kept getting end times, so I sat down and I read the book of Daniel. And Daniel speaks to what we're going through, and that led me into Revelation. So I want to read you a couple of passages from Daniel, and I specifically want to read Daniel 9, and I'll start in verse 12. Context. Daniel 9, where I'm reading, is Daniel's prayer. So this is Daniel speaking, and I'm picking it up in the middle of his prayer. And if you haven't been through Daniel in a while, Daniel is in exile in Babylon, and he looks at the books, specifically the book of Jeremiah, and he finds out that their exile is to last 70 years, and he, being one of the wisest men in the kingdom, is able to count, and he recognizes that where he is in time is 70 years or about up. So what he does is he goes and he prays to God for the end of the exile. So that's the context of this prayer. And it's a long prayer, and it's a wonderful prayer, and I commend it to your reading, but I want to pick it up in the middle because something in there struck me about today. So now I'm in Daniel 9:12. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses... All this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. So if you go back to the Torah, and we read it every year, the purpose of the calamities that have come upon Israel is so that they will wake up and turn and return to God. Now, what happens is, Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And when they don't for a long period of time, God finally says, all right, you guys can't govern yourselves, so I'm going to put you under somebody who will govern you for a while and see how you like that. And sends them into the Assyrian exile, the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom, and the Babylonian exile. And he sent all of Judah 
into exile 2,000 years ago. And the causes are typically, you've left Torah, you've quit doing what I asked you to do, the government that you have set up is totally corrupt, I can't stand this anymore, out you go. So the point of Daniel's prayer is, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. So the the purpose of this is so that it will wake you up and you will gain insight. The idea is, oh, wait a minute. Things aren't going really well. I guess I better turn to God and see what he says so I can gain insight into my situation and get corrected. That's, That's the object of the exercise. So that takes me to Revelation 16. These are the bowls of wrath. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Notice that in very much the same spirit as what happened with Daniel, when God reaches out and touches the world, instead of saying, oh, we better turn and find out what God is doing, and we better get back and learn something from this, what they do is they shake their fists and they curse God. So, the thing I want to explore with you a little bit is, where does that come from? Where does this idea that you can shake your fist and curse God and it will do any good, where does that idea come from? I'm going to suggest that the incarnation of that in Revelation starts with the Reformation. And that attitude is a direct result of the Reformation. Now, what was the Reformation? Reformation was a rebellion against the authority of the church, which had become corrupt. Notice what I just said. Rebellion against what? The authority of the church. And you had some really, really smart people who decided that this church had become corrupt, which it had. No question whatsoever that things needed to change. The church was corrupt. So what happened is they said, well, this authority is corrupt, so what are we going to use for authority if we don't have the church to use for authority? And the answer to that, anybody heard of the phrase, and I'll say it in Latin, cogito ergo sum? I'll say it in English then. I think, therefore I am. Everybody knows that in pop psychology. Well, that was by Descartes. He was a Frenchman, and that makes you suspicious right there. Anyway, Descartes is a Frenchman, and he started with, the only thing I know is that I am thinking. I know nothing else. And so he starts from there, and as far as he's concerned, all of this could be an illusion that's generated by my mind. And from there, he starts moving along, and what he comes up with is this idea of autonomy, that each of us is autonomous. And autonomy is a Greek term, which means self-law. Auto, self, as in automatic, something that does something by itself. 
and nomos, which is law, which means I am a law unto myself. That's what autonomy means. So the modern incarnation of autonomy is you can't judge me. Who are you to tell me what to do? I am a law unto myself. I am autonomous. And that flows directly out of the Reformation. And as I say, people never get anything right. We go along and we do something for a long time until it gets really, really bad. And then we lurch over to the other side and we go that way for a while until it gets really, really bad. And then we lurch over to the other side and we go that way for a while. We are now at the end of the lurch that started in the Reformation. The things that needed to be corrected definitely needed to be corrected. The church was, in fact, corrupt. There was serious problems. These people were not imagining stuff. But like everything we do, that path starts, and then we lurch over against the stop and bang into the stop, and then we're going to start lurching the other way. So what I'm suggesting to you is this attitude in Revelation where God is reaching down and doing something to people Instead of eliciting a response of falling on your knees and praying and asking for mercy, it elicits the response of anger and shaking your fist against God. That response started in the Reformation, where people can be autonomous. This is, in fact, what the serpent promises to Eve, isn't it? You shall be like God's knowing good from evil. You will be able to decide what is good and evil. You will be autonomous. You will be a law unto yourself. And what we have now is our whole intellectual framework that all of you have been educated in is steeped in this idea of autonomy. Our whole constitution is based on it. Now, the idea of not being under the authority of men makes some sense. We all like that. That's what we grew up with. We're all very comfortable with that. But that slowly marches and it becomes not being under the authority of God. That's where it leads to. What we have become is actively hostile to authority. And Americans more so than most. We are also unsure of reality. Remember I started with Descartes. I think, therefore I am. So the only reality that I can be sure of is the stuff that's going on between my ears. You all could be an illusion. This could all be a dream. That's again the logical conclusion of Descartes. The problem is You get a heavy hitter like Descartes or Kant or any of these guys, and they can sort of pull this off intellectually because they're very, very clever, and they're very, very good with words. And so they can spin this out so that people listening to them say, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Boy, you're really right. The problem is most of us are not of that intellectual caliber, myself very much included. I am incapable of fooling myself to that degree. I'm just not that good. But these guys are. So what winds up happening is if you start buying the idea 
you're not going to be able to sit inside your head and start from, I think, therefore I am, and reason your way to the universe like perhaps somebody like Descartes thought he could. So what you're going to do is you're going to shortcut and you're going to believe somebody else because it's really hard to start from, there's nothing in here except me, as you wake up every morning and reason to your Ford in the driveway taking you to work. I mean, that's hard work. And you get up every morning and that's all you know, so what you do is you take shortcuts. And what we wind up doing is we wind up following the person with the shortcut that appeals to our flesh. Everybody follows shortcuts. And so what we now have as a product of the Reformation is we are cut loose from authority. So we've got to find some authority somewhere. So what we do is we pick the authority that tickles our ears, that makes us feel the most godlike, that makes us feel the most independent, that makes us feel the most autonomous, that gives us the stuff we want. Ooh, socialism sounds really good because it gives me all the stuff I want and I don't have to work for it. Ooh, I love that. I like that reality. And what we have in the United States right now is absolute rampant insanity. And I am not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating for effect. And what that is is people who have become disconnected from reality. And they have followed somebody who has constructed a reality for them that really appeals to them. Pick one. You are equal to everybody else. No, you're not. You're different. You're unique. I am not Wilson Bolt, who can run a 100-yard dash faster than you can blink. I'm not that guy. I'm not equal to him. I'm not equal to some of the great theologians. I'm not. Okay, so this idea that everybody's equal is nonsense. It's not true. But it really appeals. And so what we have is literal insanity. We are celebrating people who are so unhinged from reality that they don't know whether they're boys or girls anymore. This is a detachment from reality. If you can't be sure what's real, which is a product of the Reformation, if you can't be sure what's real, then anything could be real. And that's where we are. And that's where people shaking their fists at God and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am autonomous. I am a law unto myself. How dare you interfere with my freedom of choice? That's what these people are saying. How dare you, God? How dare you? And we're living through that. And by the way, it's also in the church. I mean, there are people who believe in God and so forth that have this same problem. In fact, this whole thing started in the church because it was a rebellion against the church that had become corrupt. And so churchmen who rebelled, starting with Luther, set off on this intellectual path and you'll find everything that I'm talking about in the church. You will go to open and affirming churches that celebrate insanity. They do. And it's insane. It is not connected to reality. Look at our entertainment. All of our entertainment is devoid of reality. You have 90-pound women just kicking the snot out of 300-pound guys. But they're cute, sure. 
But that stuff doesn't happen. You have people leaping off into buildings and soaring off into space. All this kind of stuff is detached from reality. We don't like the reality we have, so we'll construct our own. And by the way, there's a difference between this and imagination. Imagination is good because it enables you to see beyond your circumstance and figure out a way to get there. Having somebody package it for you and immerse yourself, that's why you've got able-bodied young men sitting in their parents' basements looking at game screens. They're detached from reality. That's literal insanity. Have I laid out the problem for you? What I'm suggesting to you is we are in the end times. And I would not be surprised if the fifth seal is going down now. So the next thing that's going to happen is going to be the sixth seal, and that we will really see a blood moon, and then the rest of this stuff will start kicking off. But as it happens, there is going to be a part of the population that is going to shake its fist at God and say, how dare you? So what do you do about this? I will suggest a couple things. Oh, by the way, I will also suggest that God does not approve of any of this. This is not something that pleases God. He gave us physical bodies. He put us in a physical reality. The physical reality and our physical bodies limit our autonomy. There are things you can't do because you live in a physical body in a physical world. Your average 90-pound woman does not beat up your average 300-pound biker. It just doesn't happen. You can't walk through walls. The amount of food that you get is limited to your work, or it should be. This is another one of these insanities that we have constructed that says we are disconnecting food from work. You know, there's 93 million Americans not working. They're all eating. They've all got cell phones. So we have this local reality that we have constructed that is not sustainable. So reality is designed to constrain your appetite. So in fact, you will not be like gods. God doesn't want you to be like gods. He wants you to be people. Again, that goes back to Descartes. Descartes started with, maybe this isn't real. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. It is real. The Bible says it's real. The Bible said God constructed it. The Bible said he made your body out of the clay and the dust of the earth. The Bible says this is real. But if you believe it's not real, then you're disconnected from the word of God, you're disconnected from scripture, and you are now in a position of saying to God, when he finally does reach down and do something you can't deny, like turning off the light, which he can do, and he's done. At that point, you're in a position where you say, how dare you? How dare you do that to me? How dare you intrude on my autonomy? So what do we do? First thing that you need to do is you need to decide what you believe. And I will tell you, by the way, Descartes is crap. You know, as you're looking for shortcuts, what do we believe? As you're looking for shortcuts, I'll tell you that one right there. The foundation is, is garbage. Don't believe that stuff because it's contrary to the word of God. You got to know who you are. You are a child of the one true living God. You have been adopted or grafted in. You are his creation. You are here for a purpose. 
you are real, she is real, he is real. These are other people. They're real. These are not a figment of your imagination. Your authority, and you have authority, comes from the word of God. God gives you authority and he gives you dominion over his creation. He says so. And he gives you authorized ways of changing things in his creation. And they are not virtual reality. You have hands and you have a voice. So you have ways of using your imagination and your talent to change things. That's perfectly acceptable, perfectly authorized. Creating your own reality is not authorized. There's a difference. I am going to suggest that you all become judgmental. I'm dead serious. One of the things that has crippled the body of Christ is this judge not lest you be not judged. And I will read this to you from Matthew. Okay? And I'm in Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you see, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Notice, by the way, what's the deal with the speck in your brother's eye? Should it be there? No. What it's talking about is hypocrisy. And every one of us has got dirty laundry. So it's real easy for people to accuse you of being a hypocrite because we all know that in some way we are all hypocrites. So it strikes home. So when somebody accuses you of being a hypocrite, it strikes home because most of us are. And what it does is it then shuts you up. That's what it's designed to do. I am going to suggest get over it. Get over it. We're all hypocrites. We're all sinners. We have all fallen. But that doesn't mean that I can't look at this poor wretch who is castrating himself because he doesn't know what he is, and I can say, that's sick. Because it is. It's insane. It's sick. And we have got to start saying it. And you've got to say it out loud, and you've got to say it to people who are going to look back at you and say, how dare you? Because they will. But what this world needs right now is a dose of reality from the Word of God. And everybody here can look at these situations and say, that's wrong. That's sick. God does not approve of that. Well, who are you to say that? I'm somebody who knows the Word of God. That's who I am. And the fact that I am not perfect does not change the fact that I can't look at that behavior and measure it against the Word of God and say it doesn't match up. And now I've got stuff in me that doesn't match up either. But that doesn't alter the fact that that doesn't match up. So get over this business of feeling guilty when somebody says, who are you to say that? Your answer is, I am a child of the one true living God who knows the word of God, and I can see that situation, and it is wrong. It is evil. It is sinful. It is insane. Hear all these words I'm using? All these judgmental words I'm using? It's Time to quit being sensitive. Knock it off. Get over it. Quit being sensitive. You need to speak the truth of the word of God into the world. That's what you're here for. So what you need to do is you need to know who you are, 
You need to know your authority. You need to be judgmental. And you need to act. Because I will tell you it is not kindness for one of your brothers and sisters at the end to look up and shake his fist at God and say, how dare you? Because God is the ultimate reality. And when God's reality comes crashing down on that person, all of the sensitivity that you have exhibited toward that person is going to lead him to destruction. Now, there are obviously ways you can say things. And what your job is to figure out how to say these things in a way that it will be received. And in many cases, there's no way possible to say it that it will be received. It just isn't going to happen. That's certainly the case in some cases. But there are going to be people who are going to hear this, and the one you're talking to may not accept it, but somebody else over here may say, whoa, wait a minute. So quit being so sensitive and become judgmental. Please consider becoming a sponsor. You can sponsor us for as little as a dollar a month. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you. Et ta